This episode of the QA on the Guns and Tactics podcast was previously recorded live. Thank you very much for checking out this episode, and we look forward to having you in future episodes. If you want to participate live, it's going to be the last Monday of the month. Tune in live on YouTube. Otherwise, you can catch this episode wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. All right, we are live. It is the July 2022 edition of the QA my name is Dave. Thank you guys very much for spending a few minutes of your day checking out this live stream of the QA. This is our new format of the QA, which means we're doing it live, and I'm trying to do it at a specific time at the last Monday of every month. Uh, but I'm not going to lie. It is harder to get this live stuff figured out than I thought. So uh, let me go ahead and check in with the comments. Looks like we have uh, Bob from Chicago. Awesome to see you check in. We got John from Oregon. We got Drew. Uh, hopefully there's a picture now, Drew. And then we have uh, P-Dub 512, hi from Texas. And now Drew says it was good. Drew, was when there was no picture, did you have like the, the coming soon screen? Hopefully that was what was being broadcast. So hopefully that was working. Again, I'm trying to get to know all the, the features of the new software. All right, so for those of you guys that are new here, you can either get this on YouTube. We are doing it live, but it is recorded, and then I also upload it after the fact, so for everybody else who can kind of catch up. Otherwise, we do also publish the QA wherever you get your podcasts. You can just search for Guns and Tactics. We do have a couple other episodes. I have some older interviews, and then I'll probably be making more content specific for the podcast, more of me rambling on and uh, uh, Toby from Puerto Rico, awesome, thank you. Uh, Kevin has sent in numerous questions in the past, and some of them are, are really good, and I kind of want to start that spark of like what I like to call um, the instructor craft podcast, because some of them were more firearms instructor focused, and I think it would be more of a, a deeper dive, a conversation into kind of so some of what my thoughts are on the topic. So I think those really would be springboarding into good podcast ideas. So uh, we're also going to do some mail call. I got a few packages here to open. Uh, I do appreciate it when people send in stuff. Sometimes it's companies, sometimes it's individuals. In fact, I think, Bob, you've sent uh, a present before, if it's the same Bob I'm thinking of. I, the last name's kind of all mixed together, so I do apologize. Uh, and then also, if you guys do want to support the channel, we do have a Patreon page. I'll put a link in the description if you're watching this afterwards. Otherwise, uh, if you're watching this live on YouTube and you want to do the super thanks or the super fan thing, that's awesome. I believe it then gives me a notification that you did the super fan and uh, it should like you know make yours more of a priority. So hopefully that works okay. Uh, now, if you guys have any questions, the best way throughout the month or whatever is obviously to email us. That email address is shown below. That's the QA at gunsandtactics.com. You send in an email. It goes to a special folder. I try to put all that together for the show at the end of the month, so I make sure I try to get to those questions. However, being that we're doing this live now, for those of you guys that are watching live, go ahead and post a comment. I'll put your comment up on screen, and then we'll go ahead and talk about that. So a few things we're going to talk about right off the bat before we get into our questions are just kind of a channel update of what's been going on. And then hopefully, you know, throughout the, the show, I'll make chapter markers and stuff as well, which, speaking of which, I better grab a uh, pen and paper to do that because, uh, <laughs> Bob, it was you. I knew it. I knew it. My kids loved that, by the way, and I did too. So thank you again. I really do appreciate it. Bob sent us some pineapple Fanta which is uh, by far my favorite soda, if you know that from watching the show. So I will do chapter markers uh, throughout, the, uh, throughout the show for those of you guys that are watching it afterwards. Uh, and it just kind of helps keep things going. But uh, a couple of the things that have been going on is, number one, 
we've had a couple of videos that have done really, really well lately. We did the mag, how long can you leave your mags loaded one that had over 400,000 views. And then last week I did one kind of just talking about the Dickens drill, uh, which is basically based on Elijah Dickens, who stopped an active shooter at a mall in Indiana while he was constitutionally carrying. And the reports were 40 yards. So everybody on the internet started to make this drill. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I am going to make a video about this. And holy cow, have the comments section just been crazy. So that video to date uh, has been viewed over 500,000 times. It has just around 3,000 comments. And some of the comments, I'm not going to lie, are an absolute dumpster fire. Like it is just atrocious as far as what some of these people are like, yeah, I'd like to see you try that with a regular gun and uh, take off your fancy red dot and nobody carries this, that, the other thing. It's like, it, it's literally a dumpster fire. There's a lot of people out there that carry red dot guns. Uh, it's just the way it is. I'm not going to apologize for carrying a red dot, but all of my carry guns, my duty guns for the last almost a decade, give or take, have had a red dot because a red dot is the way to go. And if you're not shooting a red dot on your handgun, it's just a matter of time before you will be. I really believe in that. I mean, look at ARs. How many of us are you still using just iron sights on our ARs? It's pretty much all red dots or LPVOs. Uh, hopefully there'll never be an LPVO on a handgun, although that would be kind of funny if, uh, if it is. But uh, I really do think that the handgun red dot is the way of the future. It's the way of the now, and that is just the way it is. And uh, I don't know. I don't even have a carry gun set up with iron sights anymore. So it's not like I can just go grab one and go shoot it or whatever. But even back in the day when I was teaching classes, when I was shooting iron sights, we would shoot up to 100 yards. Some of the students um, who may be watching this or maybe stumbling across can kind of, uh, you know, basically leave a comment to verify that or whatever. But I just love red dots. But man, some of the people just don't get it. It's not about uh, my gear or anything like that. It's to invoke a conversation. It was trying to engage viewers and several of the comments did get it. They're like, Hey, I need to go out and practice or man, I didn't realize that was, you know, an idea, a possibility. I didn't hear about this. Uh, you've encouraged me to train things like that. And those are the comments that I really wanted to have engagement on. And is it, is it trending? Absolutely. And I'm a content creator now, and I want to try to make videos that are relevant and obviously engage and, uh, we'll get views and stuff. So, you know, that's kind of the reality of what it is. So uh, anyways, that's that's a little bit about that. The other one is um, I did a staccato. I was filming a staccato video, basically how to run your staccato 2011, because a lot of people are new to that platform. A lot of people have questions about the safeties, the function, how the firearm works, things like that. So I was making this video. And then in that video, I kind of wanted to dispel a myth of like, hey, when they get dirty, when they get grit, they don't run. And that's the myth. So I, I put it on the ground, kick some dirt on it or whatever. And I put just a snippet uh, a reel. If you're not watching our reels on either Instagram, Facebook, or our shorts on YouTube's uh, shorts function, we generally, I try to do, you know, one of those every day, give or take, and that's kind of a tease of maybe what's coming up or uh, future products or whatever it might be. So anyways, the comments on that staccato one are just like, and again, it's a dumpster fire. Like people are like, why would you do that to an expensive gun? Or this proves nothing. Or I'd like to see you lock the slide back and then do that. And, and what scenario does that replicate? Like what scenario is anyone carrying a gun around with a slide lock back and then would get in a tussle or anything? But what do I know? All right, let's start answering some questions here on the comments section. Then we'll get into mail call. Then we'll get into uh, some of the email questions and go from there. So let's, uh, we'll start with this one from... Uh, from Toby, what are your feelings on a 410 shotgun for home defense? Uh, obviously, ammo selection is going to be key. So part of it's going to depend on the capacity of the gun. If it's an over and under, it's a break action, whatever it might be. If you're only limited to a couple of shots, 
that's going to be the downside of any shotgun, regardless of caliber or gauge. Now, if it's a pump action or something like that, you could look at either slugs or uh, there was some like, I want to say it was only like three or four pellet double-aught buck or something really similar for the 410. And that would be a very effective self-defense tool to protect yourself or another one. Now, keep in mind with slugs or buckshot, you do have penetration issues through sheetrock. So if you live in multi-housing, apartments, townhouses, whatever it might be, those are considerations that you have to keep in mind with any defense firearm, whether that's a rifle, handgun, or a shotgun. But if that's what you have and you're able to keep it available to you, but yet keep it safe, I'm not sure what your situation is. If you have kids, if you have you know theft issues or whatever it might be. So you still do have you know to think about those things as far as not just access, but also you know securing and things like that. But yeah, if that's what you got, man, run run what you brung type thing. Just make sure you're using good quality ammo. Don't use like a bird shot round or anything like that. So uh, thank you from Toby. Um, now, okay, Bob, uh, it says, okay, you commented here too. Perfect. Thank you. I appreciate that. Hey, we do have a super chat. All right. Awesome. I appreciate the super chat. This is from the libertarian neighbor, uh, who gave us five bucks. So thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. I'm going to pull that up so I can see it a little bit. Uh, Radian Ramjet, worth it on a carry gun or just an expensive way to induce malfunctions? Now the Radian Ramjet, I believe it was like just announced uh, a little bit ago and I don't have one yet. I have not had one on hand, but I'm trying to pull it up here and I don't know if I'll be able to share it on the screen. I'm still getting to know the live uh, software, but the Radian Ramjet looked Really cool. I'm not going to lie. The little comp, it's basically for single frame or slimline guns like the 43X, the 48. It looked cool. Uh, I'll be honest. It looked really cool. Now, I don't know if it really would induce more malfunctions or not. I, I really don't. If it's a quality compensator using good ammo, it's probably not going to have any malfunctions or whatever. Now, is it worth it on a carry gun? I don't know. See, here's the thing with comps, especially nine millimeters you're mainly gonna notice more different, mainly, man, you can tell I'm doing this live. You're gonna notice more of a difference with a comp, the hotter the ammo you're using. The more energy there is to compensate, that's when you're gonna start to notice the compensator the most. So for example, when I shoot my Staccato XC, which is a compensated 2011 versus my Staccato P, which is just a standard 2011, and I'm just shooting cheap 115, 124 grain full metal jacket, whatever it might be, the difference between the two isn't as much as you might think. However, when I put like a duty load, like a 147 HST in both, the XC shoots even flatter because it has more energy to compensate. Now there's still a difference, don't get me wrong, and you can you know kind of feel that if you will, but what that's what, with a small gun like that, you probably notice it with your carry ammo, and I sure wanna try one. So as soon as I can get me a sample, I'm gonna certainly try to get that. But uh, yeah, I, I don't, if you have the money, man, just give it a whirl. Otherwise, if you want to wait for, you know, some reviews and stuff to come out too, I'll try to reach out to Radian and see if maybe I can get a sample, but then I'd have to get a threaded barrel and other stuff. So it's not immediately as simple as that, but I'll see what I can do. But again, man, uh, thank you very much for the super chat. I really do appreciate it. It does support the channel. So awesome stuff. I appreciate that. All right. This one is from Russell. Took four new shooters out to the range, 60 to 70 year olds. M17 with a DPP, mostly A-zones. Nice. Yeah, see? You get it, man. Red dots are the way. It allows you to focus on the target. And a lot of people say it's cheating and everything like that. But the reality is it's not cheating. You are getting more information from the gun. So in my red dot classes, just, just a little preview, but in my red dot classes, I tell people, don't just think of the red dot as a sight or as an aiming tool, but think of it as a motion sensor. 
All right, so when you are holding that, and anybody that has been shooting a handgun with a red dot, well, first question is usually like, ah, how do you get the dot to stop moving? Well, that is giving us information of what the gun is doing. Your gun moved just the same amount with your sights. You just couldn't really see that fine movement. So it's not just your aiming device. It's also a motion sensor. And you're able to see exactly what input everything does. So we're able to make a better decision because we're getting more information. And more information leads to better decisions. I'm a firm believer in that. So absolutely. So awesome for you, Russell. Hopefully you're helping people see the red dot light. I love it. I absolutely love it. All right, this one is from this one is from Andy Q. Do you see YouTube cutting out gun channels? Uh, I obviously anything's possible, okay, and hopefully not. So recently we had an issue where our YouTube channel um, got a strike on it. I think is what it's called. We weren't able to upload for a week, and it was a, a social media link issue, whatever that technically did violate the terms of service. It, while we are responsible for everything we put in the descriptions, I would argue that it was not necessarily our intention or our fault because we didn't know that they changed the link tree or the, the landing page of that other social media network. So it violated the direct link things. Technically, did it happen? Yep, and we had a strike or whatever. Now, in that process, it was actually really cool because I did establish a YouTube rep. So I did have a one-on-one -on -one real conversation phone over the phone a couple of times with a real person at YouTube. And what they told me is they're like, hey, we're not anti-gun or anything like that, but we do, our, our primary revenue is advertising. So we have to make content that advertisers want to advertise on. And he goes, there are several advertisers that want to advertise on firearms-focused channels. However, there are more advertisers that want to advertise on other things or don't want to advertise on firearms-focused channels. So him and I had some really good conversations about ideas, how to grow the channel, some feedback. He kind of gave me some insight on things. And overall, it, it, was, a, it was a better experience, uh, a trying experience. You know, sometimes they say you're better because you go through it. And I will say I learned a lot from that. So uh, I don't see them gutting out uh, anytime soon. Obviously, there could be restrictions. Uh, I will say that... I know for a fact that firearms channels earn less ad revenue than other channels. I was at uh, the Honda Pioneer event and I was talking to other creators and I was kind of talking to them like, hey, you know, what are your CPM and RPM? And those are, you know, revenue per mile, cost per mile. That's like advertising jargon, stuff like that. And, you know, we were just kind of sharing, you know, numbers and things like that. And that was really insightful for me. And I can tell you that firearms channels from just strictly Google ad revenue don't make as much. So uh, I've also talked to other people who do cooking and baking type shows or whatever. And uh, that is the way it is. I, I was meant to write some of these down, and I'm totally not going to be able to keep up with chapters now. So that's just the way it is. So hopefully we never get lost or whatever. We're trying really hard to be uh, in compliant with all the terms of service. For example, one of the things I can't do on a live stream is show a gun uh, or a, you know, a firearm. So I was going to like do a giveaway, and you know maybe we'd have some stuff to show, but I can't do it because that would violate the terms of service for the live stream. So... You know, just stuff like that. Uh, obviously, there's been other channel or websites that have tried to become the new gun tube, but nobody really goes there. Everybody still watches on YouTube, so that's that. So great question. Great question. All right, let's do a couple more comments here, and then we'll get into some e a mail call and then some email. And uh, we'll probably go for maybe an hour or so, give or take. We'll just kind of see what it is. This one's from Frank. Looking into an AR pistol, your thoughts on a 10.3 or 10.5? Um, I would just get a quality barrel. I've had 10.5s that run really well. I've had 11.5s that run really well. Uh, obviously, the, the heavy hitters in the barrel industry 
Uh, Rainier Arms, their match, their ultra match barrels are probably best bang for the buck in the industry bar none. And yes, I do have a relationship with Rainier. They help support the show. Uh, I love those guys. I work with those guys a lot and they are just awesome people. So I, yes, I am going to give them a plug, but they make quality stuff. Noveski barrels are good. JP barrels are good. Um, Criterion barrels are good. There's a lot of people that are made, you know, by Criterion. Um, you know, I'm sure there's a few others that'll that'll hop on my mind here in a sec, but generally right now, that's where I'm going for barrels. Uh, if Rainier makes a match or an ultra match in the length and configuration that I'm going with, and I know where those barrels are made, and they are a good quality barrel manufacturer out of Wisconsin. Actually, and that's a little ambiguous because there's a lot of really good barrel companies out of Wisconsin. Wisconsin in the shooters community is known for making barrels. There is I'm, I'm probably five or six of the big barrel companies are all in Wisconsin. And uh, they also have some really good cheese and cheese curds as well. So and that's not a, a diss. I really do like their cheese stuff. So awesome question. All right, this next one is from Toby. Uh, red dot or laser, which and why? I'm an old vet. So your advice will help keep this, uh, help the 74-year-old kid. Uh, I would go with a red dot. A variety of reasons with the red dot. Number one, it works all the time. Whereas a laser, sometimes if it's really bright, it's really, really difficult to see that laser. The other downside with a laser is that you have to activate it, which could potentially transmit your position, even if you were holding at a ready or something like that. Uh, the batteries in lasers generally go dead a lot quicker and they're not as reliable that I've seen. I've tried running a laser for a while, especially uh, when I was in law enforcement and I was wearing a gas mask, doing shield work, whatever, I tried the laser thing and uh, quite frankly, it, it just had limited applicability. So I would definitely go with a red dot, um, something like this, you know, Holosun, this is just a box, in case anyone's wondering. Holosun SCS, which goes on a uh, Glock MOS platform or 508 or 509. But what's great about the red dot is it gives you the advantages. You are able to focus on your target. You are able to use it day or night. They're durable. You get more information. It is just the way to go. So I personally really like Holosun stuff. They've been really supportive. Um, good to me. Now, that's not to say that they're perfect. Um, I've killed a 508. And to date, now I've killed a 509, well, I shouldn't say I've killed a 509, but I damaged a 509 enough. Uh, but I've also done that to Trigicons. I've seen loopholes go down or whatever. But all in all, I think Holosun is offering the most features, benefits, bang for the buck, durability, reliability right now, where it is the best thing going. So I really do like the Holosun stuff. And they have different price points as well. So great question, Toby. Thank you very much for the question. I appreciate that. All right. Um... I, you know what, I, sh I should say this. I assumed you were talking about a pistol. Uh, if you were talking about a rifle, let me know. All right, this one is from PDub512. Moving to the Nashville area next week. Any recommendations on training course around there? No, unfortunately, I don't know a ton of stuff around the Tennessee area. Might have to do a little bit of homework and get back to you on that one. So I'd li like to go to Nashville. It sounds like a cool area. Uh, the Honda Pioneer event was in, literally of all places, Pioneer, Tennessee. And I don't know exactly how close that is to Nashville. I think we had to fly into Knoxville and then take a little shuttle to there. So it was on, I believe, the north side of Tennessee. But uh, yeah, I don't have a ton of recommendations. So I'll do some homework and see. Uh, you know, and let me know what type of training you're looking for. Handgun, rifle, whatever. Shoot me an email. Go from there and I'll see what I can do. Now, speaking of which, that email address. If you want to see your show, I don't. well, why won't it let me run the thing again? It won't let me do it? No, not, not that one. The QA. Anyways, you can send your email to the QA at gunsandtactics.com. 
Uh, apparently it will not let me do that. Now I do also have to give a quick shout out to Lucky Shot. Lucky Shot is bringing you this episode of the QA, which means they are supplying the prize. Uh, we're going to give them a little bit more love later, kind of show you some stuff. I'll have a coupon code for you as well, but I am super excited to have Lucky Shot as the supporter of this month's episode, as they have been for a long time. So huge shout out to Lucky Shot. Thanks them again. All right. Perfect. Toby, uh, thank you. I appreciate you watching, man. I really do. I'm happy to help out and uh, blessings to you as well. Thank you for watching the show. And those of you guys that maybe did stumble across this episode and you were one of the viewers from one of those other viral videos that aren't a regular subscriber, literally I'm about helping people. Now, sometimes we do catchy things that are engaging, but I really want to try to help people and get knowledge. That's who I am. If you ever give me the five minutes to get to know my personality, I think you'll realize I'm, I'm not that bad of a guy, but you know, it is what it is. All right. Um, this one is from Caesar Martin. I'm old with red dots. And usually you would trusted brands like Aimpoint, but I've heard they are cheaper and as reliable. Which would you recommend for under 250, 150, talking carbine? Uh, I would look at Holosun then. Uh, for that kind of money, I would definitely look at a Holosun or a Primary Arms that are pretty solid, pretty reliable. Are they as robust and tough as Aimpoint? Nope, they're not. Uh, Aimpoint is really awesome for a reason. But if you need to get that price point, Holosun, Primary Arms would be absolutely awesome. All right, before we get some more comments, let's get to one of our email. Oh, it was a pistol. Good deal. You missed my green stickers. What green stickers, Russell? Which one? Like the learning firearms, the old ones, those ones, or a different one? What? Let me know what you're talking about. Uh, that's what I'm... Green stickers. It had to be the old learning firearms ones. That's Is that what you mean? So shoot me a comment here quick and let me know. All right, let's do an email. This first one. This is from Charles. I was finding that my 338 Lapua Magnum Brass was getting very hard and difficult. I annealed it, which helped with this, but since this is my stand, since, uh, my standard deviation has gone 15 to 89. That's a lot. I assume this is due to me over annealing. Anything else, everything else has uh, stayed the same. Is there a way back or should I just throw away this expensive brass? I have bad news. Bad news. I am not a reloading expert. I don't reload. The only thing I reload is magazines. I've talked to some guys who are really into reloading. Now, I don't know how many times you have with those, but I do know that once they get to a certain point, there is a shelf life, if you will, or a, a maximum life. And with that particular round, I don't know what it is. But yeah, if you're having that much deviation, it could be that it was over annealed. Uh, you might just want to reserve that for like hoser ammo. So like if you know you're just going to shoot big steel or something like that, you don't need the quite precise stuff. Um, I would maybe reach out to uh, Ultimate Reloader channel, Gavin. He's a super knowledgeable guy when it comes to that stuff. Otherwise, the reloading forum on like the high road or even AR15.com or Sniperside uh, would be excellent resources as those guys do a lot of reloading. Sniperside, the reloading forum there would probably be a really, really good resource. So that's definitely something I would check out. All right, uh, the M looking ones. Um, the M looking ones. So my old, oh shoot, my old channel was Learning Firearms. Uh, that's still where I do some training stuff. And that logo was like, will it focus? I don't know if that'll focus or not. There it is. So that is the logo of Learning Firearms, my training, stuff like that. This particular is a blue patch. Um, but is that, oh no, there we go. Now focus back on my face. There we are. Let me know if that's one it. So... 
Uh, yeah. Oh, shoot. I totally forgot Vortex. Yeah. So back to that question, uh, John Carr just said, I bought a Vortex red dot for 200 bucks. Yes, Vortex does have some good ones. There's Spark AR. That's a great little red dot. And those are around 200. Sometimes they're even less if you can find them on sale. So excellent suggestion. Thank you, John, for that. And I would totally recommend Vortex. I know a lot of those guys, I used to shoot three gun with them. They're just over in Wisconsin. And uh, yeah. Okay, Russell, here's the deal. The QA at gunsandtactics.com. Jot down that email address, theqa at gunsandtactics.com. Send me your address, and I'll throw some stickers in the mail for you. Uh, I'll even throw you, I think, a, a learning firearms patch. I got some of those around as well. So do that. Get you hooked up. Let's do mail call here quick. Let's see what cool package... Oh, shoot. Let's see what packages we got. This will be stuff that I get to review coming up. Um, going from there, which is always kind of cool. I appreciate it. And it is hot today, so as you can see, I'm just got a t-shirt and shorts on. I know someone's gonna comment like, oh, but I kind of feel like Ron Burgundy, you know, where I wear like the suit top or whatever. So uh, this is from 511. Uh, 511's been pretty awesome, and they wanted to help out with some, some support. And apparently they don't like my wardrobe, so uh, 511 sent some shirts here. These are actually really nice looking button-up shirts, kind of a gray plaid. And then uh, kind of a gray pattern as well. And a navy blue kind of gray. So you'll probably be uh, seeing me with a little bit more style here. And then they did also send some patches, which is awesome because as you guys can see, I love patches. So this is like a 511 uh, kind of saved by the bell looking patch, which is uh, kind of cool. And then this one is a guilty as charged because uh, obviously I love donuts. So yes. Uh, Awesome for 5.11 for sending out some patches and shirts. This is actually speaking of Holosun. This is from Holosun. Um, oh, this is screws. Okay, so here's what's awesome. I was just out on a trip. I kind of forgot about this, but I reached out to Holosun. Uh, those of you guys that know, know that I, I travel. I do a lot of red dot handgun classes or whatever. And I reached out and I said, hey, I have students who lose screws. Screws come loose. Can I just get some extra screws for like 507Ks or, you know, whatever? So they sent out these, uh, I think they call them an oopsie kit, but it has batteries, it has extra screws, it has some tools. Uh, they sent out uh, a couple of these for me to keep in my traveling tool kit. So when I go to classes, I try to keep extra parts on hand. So I always love it when manufacturers are, are supportive of that kind of stuff. So awesome to Holosun. Thank you very much, Holosun, for sending some support there. That one's for the patches. Uh, this big box, is from 5.11, and honestly, I don't know what's in it. Uh, Dustin, how y'all doing? Doing good, man. Thanks for having us. We're just doing a quick mail call, then we'll get back to the questions. All right, this one is from 5.11, and it's a bigger box. Sweet. Some shirts. Again, 5.11 uh, must really think I am a slubby dresser. So... They sent the shirts. I wonder if they came in like a different uh, package or whatever. So awesome. Oh, I remember this. This was awesome. They announced this at SHOT Show. Uh, James Reeves from the Firearms blog announced that they had this new range ready bag. And I said, that would be really cool to check out uh, when I don't want to carry my big trunk around. So this is the 511, the new, uh, I believe they call it the range ready trainer bag. 
Uh, this particular one's in black, but just a nice size, just to quick throw all my gear, throw a camera in there, throw uh, some firearms and some ammo, whatever, and I can quick head to the range, but uh, it looks really, really well built. So I like this. Now the other 5.11 bags that I got a little bit ago uh, are what's called the load ready bag, I believe they're called. And they are really cool. Um, they're like a, a small dry type bag. They have like this tarp material at the bottom and on the insides, that's waterproof. I used them all weekend out riding on my side-by-side. -side, I had them in back and they kept things nice and dry and clean. So I'm gonna be definitely doing a review on those because those bags look really good. But this uh, this range ready bag looks great. I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to trying this out because my other range bag bag has been worn out and shot, but this thing has all sorts of dividers, mag caddies, whatever, versus my trunk that I usually carry when I travel and things like that, the hard case. So uh, pretty excited about that. All right. Uh, yeah, I always like free t-shirts. I know, I do too. I absolutely do too. Let's get to a couple more email questions. This one is from David. I love, I have a, a Banish 30 can and I can clean. The only downside is it's a direct thread type. I love how easy ordered from home. Uh, and then he sent another email uh, about Silencer Central or Silencer Shop made it easy for him. But uh, I never hear anyone talk about how simple it is, the quality of the different silencers they sell now they make one that's quick to attach. My question is, I want to pin and weld a Cox AR-15 from Arizona. Not sure if they make muzzle device that's compatible. Uh, generally, if it's a half inch by 28, yep, no problem. You can, you can do that. Uh, I also have two silent captured springs with all three heavyweights for my current AR and it still shoots three o'clock and one is a 7.5-inch Victor Saint that you had to trim the rail to fit the silencer. Love the silent spring. I think it needs to get an adjustable gas block, but I don't want to. Another question is both run both guns run great except for the brass going a little forward. Will it hurt the guns in the long run? No, that just means they're a little overgassed. Uh, depending on the velocity of the brass as well. So yes, you could definitely do a gas block. Otherwise, yes, you could get a boat carrier like the Lantac, uh, which those are awesome carriers. Uh, I I had one and then I had to give it back because it was part of a demo. I really want to get it back again uh, because I, I really like that Lantac carrier. But yeah, definitely you could do that. You can reduce a little bit of gas. You can try to do that. But those short guns, like seven and a half, they are gassy guns. That's just the nature of the beast. And when you add a suppressor, you're basically adding what would be simulated dwell time by, in essence, doing that because it, the pressure can build longer while that uh, round is in the suppressor building up. So that is just kind of a nature of the beast. Ooh, we got some comments here. So check this out. This is what I was talking about earlier, guys. Uh, yeah, like this is a, uh, about the staccato one where I kind of threw it on the ground. Um, and people are like, well, I'd like to see you do that to a 1911 and it's a modern, then they're arguing whether it's a 1911 or not. Like, must be, ah, I, I just... I don't know. It's really entertaining to me. I don't know why, but all right, let me make sure we got all your questions. Uh, law folding adapter with the JP silent captured spring. I approve great system, but yeah, I think you should be good to go. And as far as the muzzle device, again, make sure it is half by 28. If that's what your AR 15 is threaded as, and then, uh, you will, you should be just fine. You actually should be just fine. And then pin and weld it, have a good quality gunsmith, uh, pin and weld and weld that. You should have no, no issues whatsoever. Uh, hunting and Stuff with J&J wants to say hello. Hey, hello to you. Thanks for checking in. I appreciate it. We're about a half hour in, so I want to make sure I keep getting to the questions. If you guys are watching live and have a question, go ahead and drop a comment. I do always appreciate the super thanks. So far, we've had uh, one, one of those, I believe. So that's been awesome. 
And uh, then we also have our emails as well. So let me just check in with the comments, make sure we got that. All right. Uh, this is from uh, Arif. I'm interested in running a PCC. JP5 is hard to find. Any other alternative? Well, the JP5 is pretty awesome. I did do a video. I don't know. I can't link to videos with the live, but I did do a JP5 first look. In fact, if you just search for JP, JP5 9mm PCC in YouTube, I'm one of the first hits. Uh, I was one of the early videos, which... I don't know, I'm not trying to brag, I'm just telling you, I, was, I thought it was cool to get one. But that is a sweet shooting gun. To date, that is probably, now when we're talking about modern PCCs, so like AR pattern PCCs, that is my favorite by far to date. It shoots soft, it shot flat, it was reliable. My One of my favorite PCCs is obviously an HK MP5 type gun, whether it's SP5, a clone, whatever, those are awesome. Those shoot amazing, but they're not quite as modern. The furniture doesn't fit as many people, they're not quite as ergonomic, accessories, stuff like that. Uh, so I would say the JP5 is the best. However, I do have one of the angsted, um, what do they call it, the MD9 or MDP9 coming hopefully in a couple weeks where I get to demo that, and that is a delayed blowback gun as well. Now, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be a little critical of the angsted because they announced it, what, two, three years ago? And I even kind of picked on it a little bit in my JP5 video, and I kind of called it vaporware. So we'll see what happens. But uh, that would be the other alternative, and those are starting to supposedly ship. Otherwise, if you did make an order with JP... Uh, it would definitely, you know, take some time. So, um, all right, let's uh, just double check comments. There we go. All right, so that's a great one from Arif, and then I believe we're on question number three for the email. Uh, let me just go through it is. All right, this one is from, uh, is it Batekawart or Bike Tort? I'm not sure. I don't want to butcher it. Same scope for 22 trainer as full size or go with a rim fire scope. Parallax at 50 to 60, not a problem. Obviously, if you can go with the same scope, if you're talking PRS, I think there's a benefit to that or similar scopes. Uh, and truth be told, I really like having a full size scope on my precision rim fire guns. Now, if it's a precision hunting gun, uh, like I have a tracked two and a half to 15, one of their new tracked Torque HDs, two and a half to 15s on my little 22 critter getter. And that's a pretty sweet scope. Uh, it's it's pretty awesome. Now, I'm not going to be competing with that, but if I was using that as my PRS gun, you know, rimfire PRS gun or something like that, I would definitely have more of a full-size optic, four and a half to 30, you know, something along those lines, because that's also generally what I run on my centerfire guns, either that or like a five to 25. Now, if you have the option, awesome. Now, the other cool thing, I would tell you you're better off buying one really, really nice scope than two nice scopes or two good scopes and then just swap back and forth and yeah you have to re-zero quick but re-zeroing doesn't take too long and i think you'd be better off enjoying the nicer glass so that's just my opinion uh, otherwise with the modern bases i had for a while i was swapping scopes between guns and i was within like one or two clicks as long as i documented the rail spot the torque I could go back to that gun and knew exactly how many clicks I had to be to be pretty dang close to zero. So that's a, a, another solution as well. You'd be pretty close. So great question uh, there. Uh, George, I think, was talking about uh, the previous reloading question. Check with Alaskan Ballistics. He does a lot of his own reloading. Awesome. Thank you for the resource, George. I appreciate that. Uh, Russell, wink, wink. Wait a minute. Which Russell are you? You're not the Russ that trained with us, is it? I don't know. Yeah. All right. Um, this is from Dustin. Anybody heard whether the good guy with the gun in Indiana Mall shooting did have self-defense ammo? No, I have not heard if he had self-defense ammo. Obviously, we have not heard if he had a red dot or not, because again, that dumpster fire comment section was all criticizing me because I was shooting red dots. 
Uh, we did hear initially that he was braced of some type, whether he's using a pillar for cover or support. And we were hearing distances of about 40 yards and then maybe moving in. Now some people on the internet say, oh, it's had to be 40 feet. Um, some people have said they've seen them all. Some people saw the rendering. Like we just still don't know, unfortunately. So hopefully we'll find out more soon. Uh, and in my video, I did pledge to buy Eli a new gun and a red dot. And I'm trying to get in touch with his attorney to figure out how we can make that happen. If you want to donate to that, let me know, send an email to the email address shown, which I can't get to show for some reason. I just am now I'm really frustrated, uh, but I'll see if I can put it up on the screen and I, I don't get why it's not working. So let's just try this here quick. Well, that's doesn't look very good at all, does it? There we go. The QA at gunsandtactics.com. Send me an email if you want to donate. We'll figure out how to way to pool some resources if you want to see that happen. If you don't, that's cool too. But uh, I want to get Eli a new gun and a red dot uh, because sadly his will be held up in evidence for a long time. So definitely want to make sure we get him taken care of. All right, let's uh, check our comments. Yeah, whatever he did, he did well. Hell yeah, he did. Eight out of 10 hits at that distance. Absolutely amazing. And of course, people, you know, we're talking about like, how you can't compare a drill because he's under stress. And absolutely, like that was literally just a drill. I went to a range, I put up a piece of steel, I hit record, I made a video. No stress. My only stress was stage fright, but you know, like not anywhere near way, shape, same. I'm not even compare. I was never trying to make it a comparison. I was trying to make it a talking point. Uh, now I've been under my fair share of stress. I was a cop for 20 years, okay? Uh, I've never, uh, shot anybody. I've never been an officer involved shooting. I've been in numerous armed confrontations, but you know, stress is a, a weird thing and it does a lot of weird things to you, especially as you get conditioned or whatever. There were situations that I was in early in my career that stressed me out much more than situations I was in later in my career. So definitely under understand that. Do you like the red dots? Oh my gosh, Dustin. I'm not sure if that's a joke or not. Literally every gun I have pretty much has a red dot. So I love red dots. I am Mr. Red Dot. Love red dots. I love the red dots. That's what I'm all about. All right, let's uh, check in with our email questions. Uh, another one from David. Uh, have you tried the new Sharps Company muzzle device that is 3D printed with real steel? Thought it'd be good for my adapter. I use a suppressor and he wants it without taking off the adapter. So here's the deal with that. Uh, I did do a video on it actually. Uh, I will put a link in the description. Um, Sharps Badlands is what it's called. So I'm just making a quick note that I have to make a link to that in the description. And yes, it was cool. It uh, definitely deflected the blast. However, uh, you can hand tighten it or whatever too. So if you wanna take your suppressor off and put that on, I think it would be a great muzzle device. Build quality was really good. Blast deflection was really good. Sound pretty good. Uh, it's not a muzzle, you know, it's not a suppressor. So keep in mind, it's still loud. But yeah, if you wanted to take your direct thread suppressor off and put that on, I think that'd be a cool thing. So I'll put a link to my video on the YouTube once this goes published on YouTube. But I did a, uh, a video on it on the channel. Just search for Badland, Sharps Brothers Badlands and you'll find my video. So excellent question question there. Let's go to number four. Oh boy, let's see, we got a few here. This is from Ellery. Uh, I've been watching you on YouTube for years. I really do appreciate that. Very informative, like the series about how to pioneer. So that's awesome. I love that. Question is about bedding an AR barrel. I'm working on an Arrow M5 build with a Faxon Big Gunner barrel, considering bedding it to the barrel extension to improve accuracy. Uh, it's not really considered precision. Totally understand. What are your thoughts on bedding the barrel using either shims, shim stock, or Loctite? Is one method better than the other? Loctite 620 seems to be the most common. How hard is it to remove later? Great question, great question. So what he's referring to 
when betting, you have the mouth of the upper receiver. Um, I don't really have, I have a piece of pipe handy. So you have the mouth of the upper receiver and you have the barrel extension and then it kind of uh, slip fit and then you have your barrel nut that would clamp all this together. Now some receivers are a little tighter requiring a little heat to open up that mouth and then the barrel will kind of press in and then this kind of tightens up. Those are great. Those precision fit receivers are awesome or thermal fit is what JP called it. Uh, they were, honestly, I would say JP was one of the pioneers with that. Then Bravo company started doing it and a bunch of other companies started doing it more mainstream as well. Bedding, basically this slip fit, you know, uh, people would bed with either Loctite 620, which is a sleeve retaining compound. It's designed to retain sleeve uh, bearings into sleeves or cylinders. Otherwise, you can use Loctite 243. I've used both. They both do about the same. I have Loctite 243 around. It dries really hard and does a really good job. I have Loctite 620 and maybe one other green retaining compound that works as well. So it does help. Uh, I can't tell you if I've truly noticed an accuracy difference because it's not like I tested it before I bedded it and then bedded it, but um, I'd like to think that it just helped because it just made things a little bit more solid and a little bit more robust, right? Now, as far as removing it, uh, you can use a little bit of heat to break down the Loctite 620, okay? Or you can use a dowel rod and give it a sharp whack and that impact will kind of shatter it, that bond, and it'll break. So it's not impossible to remove that as well. So if you wanted to do it, not impossible to remove it. Uh, just keep in mind that it's not as easy. You're not just going to take the barrel nut off and just pull it right off or whatever. So, uh, But I've done both and, and they work just fine. So great question. Uh, all right, hopping back to the comments. This is from Dustin. What kind of gun do I carry? Well, honestly, it depends on the day and what I'm wearing. Um, and I'm not trying to sound like, oh, I have a Monday gun and a Tuesday gun. So for me, if I'm generally wearing like shorts and a t-shirt, if I, those shorts have a belt or something like that, uh, in the summer, I'm generally probably carrying a little bit more comfortable of a gun. So it's probably going to be a Glock 43X MOS with a hold of some 507, or maybe a Glock 19. I've just started switching more over to appendix carry, which I will be honest, is not quite as comfortable as my inside the waistband hip carry. My Milt Sparks leather inside the waistband hip holsters, so comfortable, especially with a smaller, slimmer gun like a Glock 26, 43X, 19. Super comfortable holster, super comfortable gun. I use their Nexus holster. Love it. However, I've started switching over to appendix carry because it does have a lot of benefits. It's more concealed, it's faster, you have retention, like there's a lot of benefits to that. And I'm using either a QVO uh, holster, this one's particular for staccatos. So once my staccato C2 arrives, I'll be carrying it in this. Uh, otherwise I'm using Tenacore holsters. And like I said, I'm gonna be honest, it's not as comfortable, but I'm getting used to it. I'm starting to find the best spot to carry it. I got a new belt from Tenacore as well, but so if I need to, you know, just lightweight, conceal it, 43X. Uh, if I am wearing a little bit, maybe an extra garment, like a polo shirt, a button shirt, I can carry a little bit bigger of a gun. And in the winter, I'll generally carry at least a Glock 19. Um, I'm a firm believer that carry the biggest gun you can comfortably and can conceal, but keep in mind you have to carry it. You know, like some people get super big guns and then it gets too heavy, they don't carry it, whatever. Now I've carried my Staccato P, I took the Magwell off, I've carried that for a while just because I wanted to kind of see how this holster was. But I'll be honest, it's a bigger, heavier gun. It's not as comfortable. So I'm really looking forward to getting my Staccato C2. That's about a Glock 19 sized gun with an aluminum frame. It's a little bit heavier than a Glock 19, but I think that'll be a really awesome carry gun. Plus there are just amazing shooters. So there is that. Uh, love Staccatos. But full disclosure, I'm a part of Staccatos Blue Team, so I'm a little biased as well. All right. Uh, need some volume. Uh, is, can anybody else 
not hear me okay? I, I, you're the first one, TJ, that says need some volume. So I, I have my mic on, I'm checking the levels. It, it looks like it's, it's fine here, man. So I can try moving it up a little bit. Um, but, you know, I, I think I'm all right. So, oh, we got a live call. Should we answer it on the air? See who it is? Hello, this is Dave. You're on the air live. Please listen to this important announcement. This is a final notice and the message... Anyways, uh, hopefully you can hear me okay. I don't think anybody else has had issues with volume. Uh, this one is from DJMM. How's your 508 holding up? Uh, all of them are holding up awesome. I love those 508s. Now, like I said uh, earlier, I did have to send one back. Um, it had a small crack in it. And yeah, that was the only issue. And honestly, it worked just fine. It still functioned, but after beating it up and dropping it or whatever, it had a little small crack in the corner, so I sent it back and got a replacement. But otherwise, my 508s are holding up awesome. They are great, great optics. Uh, I'll put a link in the description to my 508 review as well if you guys are watching this later on YouTube. That's a great, uh, great question. I appreciate that. All right, let me see if we can go ahead and check back to the emails. Uh, yeah, and someone said, uh, sound is fine. Bob says the sound is good. Okay, thanks, guys. I appreciate that. All right, let's go back to the emails. This one is, uh, okay, we already covered that one, so let's get to number five. New to 2011s, and I just purchased a Kato P SRO X300 as per your excellent setup series. Well, I appreciate that. Any suggestions or ideas? Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, with the SRO fit with the RMR option holster, it will need some modification. Any suggestion or ideas? A holder video, a holster video showing options and types of retention, duty, or competition would also be awesome, and maybe suggested tips or techniques. That is going to be great. Uh, absolutely great to go from there. Let me uh, go back to the camera. So I do have a video that will probably be coming out probably this week on t running a 2011. And that's uh, basics, you know, safety, presentation, manipulation, stuff like that. It's designed for the new 2011 shooter. Maybe someone's a little 2011 curious. So I think you'll like that video. But let me make another uh, note here for 2011 holsters. Uh, if you're looking for a, one good holster to do it all with minimal modification, the Blackhawk T-Series from Staccato. But keep in mind, anything that you want to run the SRO in is going to need a little modification. And I can show you what I had to do. Basically, you take your rotary tool and you have to kind of cut that clearance where that larger hood of the SRO protrudes forward, whereas it doesn't on an RMR. So that's kind of a downside with that. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, I do have a video coming up on 2011, running a 2011. So make sure you guys check that out. That's going to be coming out hopefully this week. And then I'll do some other holster stuff too. And as always, if you guys have questions, again, I'm part of Staccato's blue team, full disclosure. So I'm more than happy to help out answer questions. Uh, brand ambassador type stuff, whatever. Uh, this comment is from Taklin Tempura. Are you going to review the SCS? You mean this guy right here? Yes, uh, I am. That's going to be coming out hopefully in a couple weeks. And the EPS. As soon as I get an EPS, I really want to check one out. I'm looking forward to that. I have a request. I do have a couple of SCSs. They're awesome. And I want to talk about the limitations because there is some limitations, but I will plan on doing that as well. All right, Toby, I just saw a comment pop up, but I'm going to hop over to the emails here real quick. Um, all right, we talked about that one. We talked about that one. Let's go to number six. This is uh, from Kevin. The occluded red dot sight drill is used in red dot classes where masking tape is put in front of the sight, either curved mirror or protective glass on an enclosed. What is the purpose of this drill? Uh, what are proper ways to handle a quarter of the adults that cannot resolve the images with the occluded reflex sight? It really affects the student's confidence when they think they are no good at red dot sites because of this non-issue that instructors make an issue. So many of the problems with students doing poorly with a red dot with an improperly installed... Okay, let's do the first half first. How's that? 
the occluded sight drill. So what that is, is basically we have our gun. I have a cert gun, and I don't know if YouTube would frown on that. So I'm gonna play it safe. Man, it's not a gun though, I don't know. Anyway, so I have this gun, and I have my red dot on it, and we block the front of it with masking tape. That is to simulate that it got blocked with mud, snow, whatever, and how do you run with it? And the reality is, you just present, and your eye sees the red dot over here, can't see through it, and this eye over here sees everything else, and your brain just puts the two images together. Does amazing. In fact, the early red dot from Aimpoint had a front blocked uh, objective. So it didn't even, you couldn't even see through it because you had to use it both eyes open. Uh, I personally have not seen this 25%. Every student that I've had come through my red dot handgun class has been able to figure it out just fine. The ones that don't are generally the ones that shoot one eye where we had to tell them like, hey, both eyes open, focus on the target, present. Oh my gosh, the dot's just there. So I have not seen that 25%. But the purpose of it is to simulate a stoppage, simulate a malfunction, an optic malfunction where the optic became blocked, smudged, broken, whatever. But if that dot can still reflect on the back side of the glass, you can still use it as an aiming device. So that's kind of the purpose of it. Uh, and that's kind of the, the goal of it. Now let me hop back to the question. Oh, what was it? number six? There we go. Uh, so like I said, they think they're no good. Obviously a good instructor is going to help coach them through that. But like I said, I have not seen that issue, but that's the purpose of it. So many problems with students doing poorly with a red dot begin with improperly installed and improperly zeroed red dots. Those mechanical failures guarantee the students will fail and lose confidence. What other ways this is handled professional red dot classes? Uh, I use it as a teachable moment. I really, really do. And what I mean by that is I will say, hey, like when I teach my red dot instructor class, we have a significant portion that is uh, armor focused. And I'll tell people, to date, I have not taught a class where something hasn't backed off, come loose, fallen off, or broken. Like I just haven't had it. So, and I have tons of pictures and tons of videos and stuff like that. So I use it as a teachable moment and I tell them, I'm like, hey, I'm not here to pick on anybody, but we can all learn. And how many people knew everything about red dots prior to coming to class? No, you're here to learn, right? So let's learn together. Thank you, Joe, for letting us use this teachable moment as a learning opportunity for everybody. And then I'll actually take a little time out. I have my toolkit and we'll actually fix the issue, showing them how to properly do it again, uh, looping back to that classroom portion and explaining the performance of it. And we also talk a lot about zeroing. I do have a zeroing video, and I do have a setup video that I will put links to in the description below if you're not watching this live later. So I appreciate that. Thank you for the like on there, I appreciate that. Who disliked this? I have two dislikes. Leave a comment and tell me why you dislike it. Come on, be a little brave. If you're gonna hit the dislike button, leave a comment. Tell me why. Anyways, all right, let's give a shout out to Lucky Shot. Uh, Lucky Shot has been a huge supporter of the channel and they gave away the prize for the QA. Lucky Shot has a lot of amazing gift items. Okay, so they have all sorts of different stuff. Uh, I, I think I'm, hopefully you guys are seeing the ad here. I don't want necessarily to, to see that. I don't know what's going on here.
and they're giving away the prize. So if you guys want to get some stuff for yourself, head on over to LuckyShotUSA.com. Use the code that is shown on your screen, Guns and Tactics, to save yourself some cash. Give yourself something, get a gift for somebody else. Use the code Guns and Tactics to save yourself some money. They love uh, their stuff. I usually have a glass, but it's actually in the dishwasher. So love, 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 Lucky Shot, and I appreciate their support. They're going to give away a prize here at the end. All right, I see some comments trickling in. Let me go ahead and hop back to the email questions really quick, and then we'll hop out back to the comments. Uh, these ones, again, are also from Kevin. Do you have any idea what Glock is talking about when they say the spring-loaded bearing insert needs to be calibrated? I really don't. I'm not sure what they're talking about. The MOS plate was designed to avoid problems with the RMR cut, where the right RMR screws enters the extractor depress depressor plunger channel. How do you make sure that that channel is properly deburred on the inside? Uh, so what happens is basically that hole will get drilled and it will get drilled through that plunger channel. So, and sometimes what happens when you drill, there can be burrs in there. So what I personally do is I will run a small swab or a pipe cleaner to see if I get any burrs catching or ripping those fibers. And then if I do, I can go in there and I can either use a little small reamer or I can use a uh, small punch and I can kind of clean that up depending on what I need to do. Uh, and then lastly, I've also made out of a uh, pin gauge, I think it was, and I basically use it as, um, I put a little compound on there. I can't think of the name what I'm trying to come up with as a, a honing tool, if you will, but I put a little bit of polishing compound and I can clean that up a little bit on there as well. So those are, those are some good questions uh, as far as that goes. Let's hop on back. Uh, the RMR cut for the Glock slides is a poor design. Every thread is needed and then some. What is done to make sure that the right screw is the longest possible without entering that channel? Uh, so number one, what I will do is, let me hop back to the camera here. Uh, number one, what I will do is I will make sure I will do a dry fit. I will put the screw all the way down and then I will use again a punch or a gauge to make sure that I'm not getting any screw protrusion into that channel. Uh, so I want to make sure that that because I want to measure that. Now how I measure that is I have a little depth of micrometer, I believe is what it's called. And I will measure how deep that screw can go and then I will measure that. This is when I'm installing RMRs. I will measure my thread protrusion on the RMR to make sure that I'm maximizing thread engagement. All right. Now, in theory, if we look at the engineering side, and I believe you're uh, an engineer, you know that that screw can only hold so much torque and it only needs so many threads to hold that torque, right? However, the more threads we have, the better because we can then have more thread engagement and that would increase, uh, or excuse me, decrease the odds of that screw breaking or something like that. But when it comes to that clamping force, all we're trying to do is clamp that dot down into the slide so that we are getting that clamping and that friction to reduce the possibility of that shearing, okay? Because screws have shear strength, they have clamping strength, uh, they have torque. There's all sorts of stuff that we can get into the weeds on some of the screw stuff out there. But the reality is we're trying to increase that friction and reduce the dot from moving back and forth, which is why it's important to have recoil lugs as well, so we don't shear those screws as well. Uh, Bob just made a comment about Johnny Glock has all the answers for that Glock question. I'm going to go ahead and check out his content. I'm not familiar with Johnny Glock, so I'll look him up. Uh, but uh, that's how I measure it. So I'll measure the hole, how many threads I can go down before I hit my gauge. So let's just say it's a nominal number, two millimeters. Then I will make sure that I have 1.95 millimeter of protrusion or whatever, and then tighten it down, torque, do a fit, test fit, and then I will degrease, thread lock, all that other stuff. That's kind of what I do on that right one. And honestly, the same thing has to be done uh, with the Glock MOSs when I fit those for 507Ks. 
Uh, all right, number four. The Zev 440 RMR cut is terrible with inadequate thread percentage and a poor design that is destined to fail. Zev is known for less than useless customer service. I don't know if you've had issues with Zev. It kind of sounds like it. I have not had a ton of issues with Zev, so I don't know. What is done when those slides become useless? Any rework possible? And then what are the problems with the OE, uh, OEM Glock MOS plates? So first thing when it comes to Zev, um, yes, uh, Bob, give me one sec. Uh, first thing when it comes to Zev, I don't have a ton of experience with their stuff. I've tried to reach out for a sample gun to do a media sample on and I've not gotten it. So, but I believe they use a threaded post which engages like the pocket of the armor and then they use a smaller diameter screw to clamp and hold everything together. And in theory, if everything is held together, preventing from moving, I truly believe those 440 screws have enough clamping force to hold it. But obviously when we reduce the diameter of a screw, we reduce its strength as well. Now, I don't know how many failures they have. I'll have to do some homework to see about that because I don't see a ton of Zev guns come through classes. Um, I think I've seen two in the all of two years I've been doing the Red Dot handgun instructor stuff. I've seen two Zev guns and they held up fine, but that's a sample of two. So there is that. Uh, as far as what could be redone, technically, yes, those bosses could be milled down and it could be uh, threaded uh, for a 632 screw. So those there's always options when it comes to machining, right? There's absolutely always, always options. All right, let's hop on over back to, oh, MOS plates. Um, I usually keep some bad ones in my bag. Um, in my opinion, the two best Glock MOS plates right now are from CHPWS and Forward Controls. And I know there's a couple other ones out there, but I've not seen them, so I don't want to say what it is. Uh, but the two best are CHPWS, which use a T-nut, and then the screw whereas forward controls is a steel plate which has a threaded engagement surface. So these are just a few of the MOS plates that I get from students' guns. Uh, these are not machined. Uh, I believe they are MIM, or metal injected molding. Actually, I can see the little mold lines, or mold marks. But the problem with these is they are not precise. So most of them are chipped, or like a potato chip, or bowed. Like you put them on a flat surface, and I push down here, and it kind of teeter-totters. So the issue I see when people tighten it up is that it'll start to kind of bow or potato chip up and that'll cause stress as well. And you know how the engineering side of that goes. Wow, we're going on an hour and I'm keep rambling. So we have still a good number of views. So I don't like MOS plates. Uh, they're not optimal for that. They're a little generic as far as their fit. They don't use more recoil lug. I mean, they have the two recoil lugs, but they could be using the rest of the plate as like a boss or a recoil lug. So that's why I like the fitted, the machine plates from either forward controls or CHPWS. So those are the problems with those. Let me hop back going on over to comments and then uh, we'll answer the rest of our email questions. And then we'll probably wrap this up because we're going on a little over an hour and I want to make sure this is uh, reasonable in length. So, but we're doing, uh, we're doing great. So I love it guys, I love it. All right, this is also from DJMM. How do you feel, how do you, how do you feel, maybe I have some of that is, about grip modules on the staccatos, or is it better to have your stock grip stippled recommendations? All right, in the description when this goes live on YouTube, I have a, a video from McMullen Stipple Works. He stippled one of my uh, XC grips and it feels absolutely awesome. The new grip texture on the Gen 2 grips is better. When the Gen 2 grip came out, I liked the shape of it. However, the texture, you know, it, it, it was an improvement, but it, I felt like it needed something a little bit more. So now they've improved it with their, I believe they call it their tack texture on the Gen 2 grips. And I like that a lot better. As far as uh, OEM grip module, that's their best to date. And I, I really like it. 
Now, as far as stippling, I have two different stippled grips. I have one that was done by Danger Close. They're going to be starting to offer the service on 2011 modules. Love it. I love my stippling from Danger Close. Like, it's awesome. Their brain texture just feels so good. It's comfortable against the body. I love it. I have a, a Glock 43X by them. I have a Glock 45 and one of my 2011s. Love Danger Close stippling. So, I love it. If you have the money and the time to get one done, highly recommend it. McMullen does stippling, uh, stippling as well on the 2011 frames. He does a nice reduction. It felt really good ergonomically. The texture was nice and aggressive. He does different levels of aggressive texture, depending on if you're carrying against you or not. So absolutely love the McMullen stipple works as well. So those are two great options. I think they are better than the stock. However, technically you could void your warranty. Now what that means is by when I say could, is if one of the stippler guys gets your grip too hot and it starts to crack and it does crack and you send it in for warranty and Staccato says, hey man, it cracked right here where the stippling was, they probably aren't gonna cover that under warranty. They're still gonna help you out. They're still gonna work with you. However, if you have your grip stippled and the slide breaks, they're gonna cover the warranty, okay? They're good customer service. They're good people. Um, excellent questions there. So hopefully that helps with that question. Uh, DJMM, great question. Great question. Uh, Dustin, you carry a Glock... 19 9mm Gen 4? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome choice. And then uh, Bob recommended that. And then Bob also asked, I'm looking to put a dot on my Glock. Do you have a recommended, do you recommend a different spring rate? No, just rock on, man. Uh, I did some uh, a video on the DPM springs a few videos ago. That's an aftermarket spring. And they're nice because you can tune them. And I did notice the recoil was pretty pleasant. However, it doesn't, um, necessarily give you like that much performance where I'd say like you absolutely need this and uh, the Glock springs are just as reliable. So Gen 5, Gen 4 Glock springs will work just fine with the red dot. Uh, no worries about that. So I would just say rock on with what you got there. Uh, then this one is from DL154P. Do you like compensated handguns based on the new improvements and holding the comp to the barrel? Would you consider carrying a comped handgun? Maybe. I don't know. Um, I I have one on my Staccato XC. I've had a couple other guns. Um, I'm not necessarily so in love with the comp guns because I've shot other like compensated Glock 19s when that was all the rage. And I just didn't think the extra length was worth the squeeze. Like I didn't notice that much of a reduced muzzle flip to make it worth me where I was like, man, I gotta go out and get one of these, okay? Like I talked about earlier, when I'm shooting my Staccato P versus my XC, yes, I can feel a difference. However, with the Glock 19s, I, it was tough for me to feel that difference. So I might try a couple other ones. Uh, we had a question about the Radian earlier on like the slimline, the 43Xs, 48s. I want to try it. Definitely want to try it. But right now I wouldn't say like you need to run out and go get one. So great, great question. Absolutely great question. All right, DJM, uh, M, thank you, DT. No problem, man. Thank you. Hey, RAR, Dino New... Okay. Dino Nucci, is that how you pronounce it? Is, I'm assuming it's Dino or Dino, but roar right back at you. I do appreciate it. All right. Um, this one is opinion on linear compensators on ARs. Do they push the sound forward any? Kind of. It's still loud, okay? So I'm not going to say like if you weren't wearing Ear Pro and you were shooting like the Badlands um, from Sharps Brothers, it's going to be a little less of a pain on your ear, but it's still loud. Uh, so yes, it does kind of project everything forward a little bit, but indoors it's still obnoxious and it's still loud no matter what. So that is that. Uh, yeah, and the same thing, uh, George kind of looping back, what are your thoughts on a porter barrel or comp? Kind of the same thing. The difference is, guys, for those of you guys who don't know, is that if this was the barrel, 
A ported barrel will have ports cut in the barrel and then a hole in the slide, so that way that gas comes up through the slide, it doesn't add any extra length. Whereas a comp, you have a threaded barrel and then the comp is attached to the front of the barrel making the whole gun longer. Now some people will argue a comp will work better because it has a larger area to deflect that gas and energy. Some people, um, like, uh, uh, is a DS custom gun works. He does a lot of really cool machining on the 2011s. I do kind of want to try one of his guns as well, or, uh, just to have some of that work done. Uh, but I want to try it. Okay. Uh, like I said, when I've shot some stuff in the past, I haven't been like immediately, like I need to go drop that money, but I definitely do want to do that. Now, keep in mind, if you are shooting a little bit closer, you start to feel that. So if you're shooting from retention or something like that, so those are, there's no free lunch, right? There's no free lunch. Then obviously you have money and stuff like that going with it. All right, let's see, where were we? Were we uh, getting to the downside there? Okay, we already did this one from Kevin, this was that. Our last question, through the email, and then we'll give away a prize here. This is from Nicolas, Nico, Nicolas, from Brazil. I'm facing a big doubt due to the lack of specialized knowledge in red dots. I bought a 508 for my Glock 17 MOS, which hasn't arrived. And then when I think to buy another quality plate and high sights, I end up wondering if it'd be worth it to exchange my 508 for an SCS, which is apparently in the photos and videos, seems to fit the G17 perfectly. Uh, despite having auto adjust. I've only heard good things in the reviews, including Sage that was mentioned in one of mine, uh, Aaron Cowan. And then as I chose the 508 based on my review, which made me skip the RMR, good choice. Uh, so <laughs> you're not making a mistake and there's, you don't, hey, and then he says, forgive me for asking these questions, but each red dot is almost five times more expensive. That's crazy. Never have to apologize, man. Uh, Nicholas, I'm happy to answer the question for you. So between the two, the SCS, which my video will hopefully be coming out in a couple of weeks, between the two, I like the 508 better. I just do. On a full-size gun, a range gun, a duty gun, a carry gun, training gun, match gun, or whatever, I like the 508 better. The auto-adjust on the SCS is the best auto-adjust Holosun has done to date. However, it is still an auto-adjust. So in low-light situations, it still can get washed out a little bit. Now, like I said, it's the best to date. However, it's not my favorite uh, versus a manual adjust. My favorite is manual adjust. So just for that reason, I like the 508. Now, the long battery life, the internal rechargeable battery of the SCS is awesome. And the SCS sits nice and flush into the pocket, no plate needed. You can use your regular sights. So there's benefits there. You're saving money on a plate, you're saving money on sights. However, the downside is you have a smaller window, which for some people is a little bit harder to find once they're getting their technique down. Once you have the technique down, you find the dots, no problem. However, when you're new, sometimes having that is uh, a little bit better. Scott Jedlinski, Modern Samurai Project, Jedi is what they call him, super awesome dude. I've taken classes uh, with him. I look forward to taking another class with him. I wanna say it's either next month or September. His analogy is awesome. When he compared like larger window, he said, it's just like with a laptop. Uh, what do you enjoy working with? A bigger screen or a smaller screen? A lot of people enjoy just working with the bigger screen. Now you can get all the work done on a smaller screen, but sometimes it's just a little bit easier and a little bit more enjoyable on a bigger screen. And that's kind of how I feel with red dot handguns as well. So I like the 508, great optic. If you are okay with the money and the weight, again, I'm not sure of all the, the logistics being uh, from Brazil. If you're okay with the size and weight, that's a great setup. You're not going to regret it. It's awesome. It's just awesome. SES is really cool too. So really, really cool. All right. Uh, let me loop back just to make sure I got all the email ones. Then I want to do some comment cleanup. Then we're going to give away a prize. So yeah, I believe that is from him. Now, just a reminder, if you guys want to see your question on the show, the best way is, of course, to email us. That's the QA at gunsandtactics.com. I hopefully, we, there we go. The email 
shown on the screen, the QA at gunsandtactics.com. If you guys want to see your question on a future episode, make sure you do email us. Again, I really do appreciate, uh, I, I can't appreciate Lucky Shot enough. There we go. And I figured it out just at the very end here, how to get the cool graphic to work. See, I'm still getting to know the software. So that's a, a little thing there. But if you want to see the questions on the show, email to that email address. Uh, absolutely love Love to see you guys participate in the show that way. All right. Again, thank you to Lucky Shot. Use the coupon code. Absolutely love what they're doing for the show. Uh, Dino, remember the mags that you found that were full for like a decade? It was actually like 17 years, I think. Yeah, 17 years. During that vid, you said in passing, we shouldn't be using soft point ammo. Yes, good, good point. Okay, so uh, I didn't say you shouldn't. I believe I said this was like meh duty ammo. I can't remember exactly what I said. I stand by that because that particular duty ammo was 55 grain soft point. It's basically like a varmint round or fox round, a coyote round or whatever. In 2022, there are far better duty rounds. We have the 62 grain bonded from Federal. We have the gold dot bonded uh, from obviously gold dot. So I like the 75 grain. They also have a 62 grain. We have the Hornaday series uh, bonded ammunitions. So they're going to perform much better through barricades. They're going to perform much better ballistically. They have much more weight retention. Uh, even things like heavy clothing, things like that, those bonded bullets are going to perform so much better than those 55 grain old soft points, okay? So that's what I meant by that. Now, if that's all you got, that's fine. Uh, and those particular soft points, they had some decent officer-involved shooting data back in the day. They are aged. There's just better options right now. Arguably, XM193 55 grain full metal jacket high velocity would even be better. That's a pretty dang devastating round, okay? Uh, but what my point was with that is that that is not the best duty ammo anymore. 2022 called, they want their, you know, they said, hey, we need some, we need some better uh, duty ammo. So hopefully that makes sense, uh, Dino. Is it Dino or Dino? Got to leave me a comment. I want to make sure I address it right. So put D-E if I'm supposed to pronounce it D-E or D-I if I'm supposed to pronounce it Dino. So I want to make sure I'm being respectful. Dan, hello from Virginia. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate that. And uh, yes, you agree. Bonded is legit. Yes, yes it is. All right. Let's go ahead and pick our random number. Uh, oh, you know what I did forget is the rules back in the day. So, oh well, no big deal. Anyways, let's pick our random number. I'm still getting to know the live stream. Hey, while I'm doing this, what do you guys think of the live stream? Do you like it? Do you want me to go back to just a recording? Um, Dino, perfect, got it. Let me know what you think of the live show. Obviously, I upload it afterwards. I extract the audio and put it on the podcast. We're right now a little over an hour. And then uh, obviously, we you know go from comments and emails and stuff like that. So please... Let me know what you guys think of the live format. Do you like it? Do you not? Something like that. Let me know what you think. All right, I've got a random number generator. I put it between 1 and 25. I have 1 through 8 being the emails. And then after that, I'm going to try to go through the comments to catch up on the comments. So I've tried to keep track of the questions on the comments as well. And I do, again... Want to appreciate the Libertarian Neighbor for his Super Chat support, which for those of you guys that don't know, when you do a Super Chat, it does donate that money. They, I think YouTube takes a small cut, but it donates that money to my ad revenue income or whatever. Uh, and then it also gives you a, a little star and you're, you know, get a priority. It tells me like, hey, we got a Super Chat, but that's basically like a tip jar. So I really do appreciate, appreciate that. 
All right, our random number was 22. So I believe that is gonna be then be a comment. And if we go down, all right. I believe that's gonna be one of the last ones. I, I apologize if my questions are not all lined up. Again, I, I'm trying to get it new guys. Uh, I believe that's going to be G DJ MM was about number 22-ish or whatever. So DJ MMM, if you are watching, DJ MMMM, yeah, please send me an email to the email address shown below. Say, hey, I'm DJ MM and I want to claim my prize and we'll get in touch with you. For everybody else who's watching, please send your emails to the email just shown below. You can also comment if you are watching this live. We're gonna to try to do this at the last Monday of every month, uh, and I'm gonna to try to do about three o'clock central time. I might switch to two o'clock if you guys all say, hey, make it earlier or whatever, but uh, yeah. I, you know what, totally right, Dan. I do need to give you guys an alert ahead of time. So last Monday of the month, 3 p.m. central is my goal. However, once I get to the school time of the year, I don't know what I'm going to do because I'm supposed to be picking up my kids. So we'll figure out some of that stuff. Uh, Bob, as always, great show. Love it. Thank you very much. I really do appreciate it. And uh, you enjoy the communication. So that's cool. We'll probably stick to live. I like that as well. All right. Everybody else, uh, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you guys very much for watching and have a great day. I'm signing out. We'll catch you on the next one. Take care. Thank you, everybody, for all the amazing support. I really do appreciate it.